Okay, three, two, one. Oh my goodness. Good morning, good afternoon, whatever it is for you. I hope you're having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports, episode 471. Welcome in. I hope you're doing well. Uh, going to be a big weekend. We've got uh, college basketball going on. Formula One starts this weekend on Sunday. Uh, it's been a busy couple days in the NFL world. It's also been a busy couple days in my own personal life. Uh, my mom is in town visiting, and it's a lot. I love my mom. She's very much an extrovert. I am very much an introvert. Uh, and we, you know, it's I'm, t- I'm tired. I feel like I look tired, too. Um, I love her, though. It's good to spend time with her, and I... I wanted her to come out to Hawaii and spend a little bit of time and get to enjoy um, seeing the island, and it's cool to have my truck and drive around. Let's jump into the biggest story uh, in the NFL world. Quarterback Deshaun Watson has been traded to the Cleveland Browns. This is a massive move. Uh, It's a big upgrade at quarterback for Cleveland. He is one of the most talented quarterbacks in the entire NFL. Here are the trade details. This is what Cleveland gave up to get Deshaun Watson. Houston gets three first-round picks, 2022, 2023, and 2024. Houston also gets a third-round pick in 2023 and a 2024 fourth-round pick. Cleveland gets quarterback Deshaun Watson and a 2024 fifth-round pick. It's been a wild story to follow because, first of all, the Browns were told that they were out of the running to get quarterback Deshaun Watson But it sounds like they're like, we're not taking no for an answer. They countered with an offer. Uh, They're giving him a massive contract. Five years, $230 million fully guaranteed. Uh, And I have no doubt that offering him that money is what sealed the deal and helped them land Deshaun Watson. Um, You know, making that offer, I think, is what got them the deal and made it happen. This is by far the most guaranteed money ever given to an NFL player. Now, there's an interesting detail here. Cleveland found a unique way to pay Deshaun Watson for 2022. His pay for the next year comes almost entirely as a signing bonus. He's getting a $45 million signing bonus. Um, So his base salary for next year, this fall 2022, his base salary is only $1 million. So it sounds like a lot, but compared to the $45 million he's getting at signing, it's nothing. And it's a good way for Deshaun Watson to dodge punishment from the NFL. So if Deshaun Watson gets suspended for a few games next year, it's not going to hurt him very much financially because with his base salary at $1 million, that's 17 game checks that will add up to a million dollars. That's around $55,000 to $58,000 a game. So if he gets suspended for four to eight games this fall, he's only going to lose $55,000 to $58,000 per game he gets suspended and still get a $45 million signing bonus. It's a really interesting way that Cleveland has manipulated the contract so that Deshaun Watson will not get hurt very much at all financially if the NFL tries to suspend him for next year. Now, as far as what Cleveland gets, this is easily the most talented quarterback in the history of the Cleveland Browns organization. It's like him and Bernie Kosar and not a lot else out. I mean, Deshaun Watson is incredible. On the field as a football player, he will be 27 in September. They're obviously moving on from quarterback Baker Mayfield. It's an upgrade. Even on Baker's best day and best year as a quarterback, Deshaun Watson is better. Now, I'm very, very curious to see how he does. He has not played in a game since week 17 January. 
Uh, week 17 of the 2020 season, that is January 2021. It's been over a year since Deshaun Watson played in a football game. And uh, look, during that 2020 season, 2020, why did I say 2020? I have no idea. Uh, I actually thought last time Deshaun Watson was on the field, he played like a borderline MVP candidate. He played incredible. His team was awful. The team around him was, I mean, dog crap. They were Houston Texans in 2020 were a terrible football team. But in spite of that, he threw for 4,823 yards, 33 touchdowns, only seven interceptions, and he made really, really good decisions with the football. He did not let the bad team around him pull him down. That same year, a direct comparison, Carson Wentz played on the Philadelphia Eagles, and that Philly team fell apart. He made bad decisions. Carson was a mess, looked horrible. And I I thought, in contrast, Deshaun Watson did a really good job not letting the bad team around him affect his decision-making with the football and Um, I I thought last time Deshaun Watson played, he was amazing. And if that's the quarterback who shows up in Cleveland, it's going to be unbelievable. It's also kind of funny. The Browns had an opportunity to draft him in the 2017 NFL draft. They passed on him. They drafted Miles Garrett number one overall. Deshaun Watson got drafted by Houston number 12 overall in 2017. And it was probably for the best because it is likely Deshaun Watson, likely or at least very possible, that Deshaun Watson would not have developed into the player he is today, the great, really good quarterback, if he'd gone straight to Cleveland and played for Hugh Jackson and been a part of that massive mess in Cleveland. So I'm very, very interested to see how Deshaun Watson does in Cleveland. And Kenny, I mean, we saw Baker somewhat turn that franchise around, had a bad year last year. I want to see, can Cleveland become a really dominant football team? I don't, I don't know, but like I said, this is the best quarterback they've had in the history of their franchise. So keep your eyes on that. And then what does Houston do with their three first-round picks? I'm very excited to see. You know, they got three first-round picks, 2022, 2023, and 2024, on top of the picks they already have. So can Houston use all those draft picks and in the next couple years build themselves a really, really good football team? Having draft picks is fantastic, but you have to actually draft good players and... We'll see if that can actually happen. Nick Casario, their GM, is going to have a great opportunity here. Kind of the dream of all dream opportunities to build a good football team. The question is, will they actually make it happen? The idea is great, but will they follow through and actually build a good football team? That is what I am very, very curious to find out in Houston. Okay, uh, let's shift gears to the Las Vegas Raiders. One second, let me drink some water. Wide receiver Devontae Adams has been traded to the Las Vegas Raiders. He has been Aaron Rodgers' number one receiver for years in Green Bay. And uh, Devontae Adams is arguably the best receiver in the entire NFL. Here is why I absolutely love, love, love this move. The AFC West is loaded. Kansas City has won that division six years in a row, which is unbelievable. I looked back and I'm like... They've really won that division six years in a row. That's crazy. Before Patrick Mahomes even got there. Uh, They now, Kansas City has Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill. They are a dominant football team. And when Denver got Russell Wilson, and then the LA Chargers added Khalil Mack and J.C. Jackson to an already loaded football team, you know, their superstar quarterback, Justin Herbert's incredible. A lot of people saw the Raiders as 
the worst team in the division. I had friends suggesting that the Raiders needed to trade their quarterback, Derek Carr, and tank. The people thought it was hopeless in Vegas. But the Raiders refused to lay down. They said, nah, we are going to fight and fight and fight. They just added Chandler Jones, a defensive end. Uh, he will pair nicely with Max Crosby. They made a great trade. They traded Yannick Ngakwe, uh, a guy who was basically no value to the Raiders anymore now that they added Chandler Jones. So they traded away Yannick Ngakwe to the Colts for a corner, Rocky Asin. I thought that was a decent trade. Very, I mean, honestly, a great trade for a decent player, but really, really good getting as much as they could out of Yannick Ngakwe before just letting him go for free. And uh, now they've added maybe the best receiver in football. So the Raiders are a team that meant to do, they went to the playoffs last year. They beat the Chargers. They are viewed as the worst team in that division. I think today you could argue, is Kansas City the worst team in that division? Like, I don't know. It's going to be a bloodbath in the AFC West, and I am very, like, there is no division in football I am more excited to watch than that AFC West. Shout out to the Raiders general manager, Dave Ziegler. Here are, I mean, look, he's just done a great job taking care of the Raiders and making sure that they are still competitive for next year and uh, giving them a fighting chance, which I, oh my gosh, I so love it. Now, here are the trade details. The Raiders get Devontae Adams and the Packers got a first round pick and a second round pick in this year's NFL draft. That is the 22nd overall pick in the first round and the 53rd overall pick in the second round going to Green Bay. It's huge, man. I cannot wait to see Derek Carr play once again with Devonte Adams. They were college teammates at Fresno State, and they dominated. They lit it up. Devontae Adams is 29 years old. Uh, he's been in the NFL for eight years. The Raiders have given Devontae Adams a five-year, $141.25 million contract. He will be the highest-paid receiver in NFL history. Now, he will be 34 in five years. Let's see if he actually is still playing at a high level by the end of his contract. It's probably really more like a three-year deal. Um, but, man, short-term, it's incredible. And if you look back at college football at Fresno State, the two years that Derek Carr and Devontae Adams played together at Fresno State, 2012 and 2013, they destroyed people. It's unbelievable. They put together, they connected 233 times in 26 games for 38 touchdowns and 3,031 yards. Again, 38 touchdowns in 26 games. They were dominating. It is going to be very, very fun to watch Devontae Adams and Derek Carr play together once again. Uh, they're going to have so much fun. They're going to take pictures together. They're going to ball out, destroy people, have fun. I really think that for Devontae Adams, this is a, not only him getting a ton of money, I think Devontae Adams is going to enjoy his life a lot more in Vegas, hanging out with his buddy, living in a good city. Um, honestly, I am just very, very excited to watch Devontae Adams play this fall. And I have high, high hopes for the Raiders and their new quarterback receiver duo. And I just want to see the Raiders not finish last in that division. I want to see the Raiders really fight and try to stay alive in the heavily competitive AFC West. I don't think anybody's going to pick them to win that division. But man, a couple days ago, it was doomsday for the Raiders, so to see them really fighting and just not giving up and arching their back and making whatever moves it takes to stay alive and keep fighting, I love that. And uh, they are certainly going to be competitive in that division, and uh, man, I give them a shot. It's going to be really, really fun to see what goes down in Vegas this fall. Now, uh, let me repeat the news. I'll drink some water first. The Raiders have traded receiver Devontae Adams to... Sorry, yeah, well, that's backwards. Uh, <laughs> the Green Bay Packers have traded 
receiver Devontae Adams to the Raiders. And here is what the Packers got in return. Again, it's a 2022 first-round pick and a second-round pick. That's the number 22nd overall pick in the first round and the 53rd pick in the second round. Here are the receivers left in Green Bay now that Devontae Adams is gone. Randall Cobb and Alan Lazard are the most accomplished receivers in the NFL. They combined for over 8,500 yards career receiving. Then you have Malik Taylor, Rico Gafford, Jawan Winfrey, Amari Rogers, and Chris Blair. Those guys combined for less than 250 total yards receiving. It's not looking good in the receiving room for the Green Bay Packers. They need help at receiver. Maybe they can make a move like signing uh, Julio Jones. He seems kind of old and washed up, but maybe playing with Aaron Rodgers would elevate him. I have no idea. Um, it's bad. I mean, they have tight end Robert Tanyan still, but it's clear that Devontae Adams was unhappy and he wanted a big paycheck. Green Bay could not make that work. And I want you guys to dial it back and remember. Aaron Rodgers chose to stay in Green Bay. He signed a massive $150 million contract extension And I ask you this, what is Aaron Rodgers' legacy? He got paid a ton of money. Aaron Rodgers took the money. He chose money over winning. I do not understand Aaron Rodgers' values very much. He keeps taking massive contracts multiple times throughout his career. He's been the highest paid quarterback in the NFL for a brief period. And so far, his career earnings are already over 250 million dollars. So I'm not joking when I ask this. I, I'm, I'm dead serious. How is an extra $150 million going to benefit his life? He's set for life. Is he going to buy another boat? I, I don't really understand here what the thought process is. <laughs> Dude, you, when you retire, you never need to work ever again. How much does winning matter to you? Like not very much, apparently. It's weird to me. I would think that once you've made your money, you're at the end of your career, the goal would become winning another Super Bowl before you're done. I just, I repeat, he's already set for life. And Aaron Rodgers' value system doesn't line up very well with my own. Because, not that I, look, how, do, how dare I talk about a guy turning down, like maybe suggesting a guy should turn down $150 million. Like, I understand the hilarity in that. But hear me out. Tom Brady's legacy is that he's won eight Super Bowls in the NFL. He always took less money so he could win and have better players around him. You can say, well, he had a rich wife. Sure. But his career earnings still add up to over $307 million. Like Tom Brady's made enough money. Even without Giselle as his wife, he'd be very much fine. Not to mention all the, you know, the, man, how, who knows how much money he makes off the field with endorsements and Aston Martin and, you know, Hertz and Bitcoin and all that stuff. The difference in lifestyle between making, I don't know, 20, 25 million a year and 45, 50 million a year, when it's all said and done, isn't that different. Yeah, it's a bigger number. It sounds good on paper, but it's ego. The difference in your life isn't actually that much. But what it does do is give your team way more money to work with and get you better teammates to play with. You win more games. You give your team freedom to pay your teammates. Look at all of the receivers Tom Brady's playing with right now. In fact, Tampa just gave Chris Godwin a really big contract. They paid him. (laughs) Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, like, Tom Brady's in a way better situation today 
than Aaron Rodgers is. And there's a song by the band Bleachers. Uh, the MTV acoustic live version is better. It's called Don't Take the Money. Look it up. It's not really about the situation, but that title, Don't Take the Money, is something Aaron Rodgers should have listened to. Aaron takes so much money that Green Bay cannot get him very much help. They can only afford to pay young players on rookie contracts. Aaron's legacy will be that he won one Super Bowl a long time ago in 2010. Since then, he's won a ton of MVPs, had really good regular seasons, dominated his division, all good stuff. But he's made a ton of money and will never win another Super Bowl. And that's the legacy. Aaron has made a ton of money and crippled his football team. <laughs> and he had a shot. Like, this offseason was the opportunity for Aaron Rodgers to do a different thing with his career. Take a different turn. Go to Denver. Go dominate. Go win a Super Bowl. And I think it's a bit gutless he didn't take it. He said, I'll just take $150 million. More money. Great, Aaron. I hope you're really, really happy. But I have no sympathy. Enjoy the millions. I hope you've enjoyed watching the Super Bowl from home every year because it's going to keep happening. And the legacy of Aaron Rodgers has become what a great player who chose money over winning. And I, it's hard to fault the guy. Look, he's going to end up with his career, 250 now, another $400 million of career earnings. That's incredible. Good for him. I'm very happy for him. But $400 million or $250 million, like how big is that difference? Couldn't you take a little less money so your team could pay the people around you? And I, I just think winning is a way, a much more enjoyable lifestyle. I, I, I'll take a little less money to win a lot more and be much happier, much enjoy my job way more. You reach a point where extra money is just extra. It doesn't really add much to your lifestyle. And I will always have a hard time understanding the thought process and the clear value set of Aaron Rodgers, which very much does not align with mine. Like I want my life to be enjoyable. I want to live somewhere cool. I want to I'll take less money if it means more happiness. Um, and Aaron, I, I guess, doesn't agree with that, which is just very weird to me. Um, I, I, again, I hope he's happy. Um, he, I don't know. I just, I don't know. I, I, I would think that if I was Aaron at this point, I would prioritize, hey, I'll take less money if we can pay Devontae Adams. Can we keep Devontae happy? I want to keep throwing the football to him. I want to keep working with these people. And instead, he's going to have to work with a lot of young players and rookie receivers. And um, I don't think he's going to enjoy that very much. So I, I just I go back to I don't understand Aaron Rodgers' value set very much. It's very different than my own. And uh, I, I wish him the best of luck. I hope he's happy. But at a certain point, extra money is just extra. And I just don't understand it. All right, uh, let's shift gears to this. This topic will be quickly outdated, but let's do it anyway. The Browns just traded for quarterback Deshaun Watson. It's been reported that Browns quarterback Baker Mayfield, their current or maybe former quarterback, has requested a trade to the Indianapolis Colts. Oh, boy. Uh, the pressure is on Indy now. They must make this happen. The Colts need to make this trade happen. They need Baker Mayfield. He is the best option out there for them at quarterback and I mean, look, Baker's 26. He's a former number one overall pick. I think he'd be very intriguing working with their head coach in Indy, Frank Reich. And he's by far the best option available out there 
at the quarterback position. He actually has promise. Baker could become the franchise quarterback in Indy. The draft isn't very good. Jimmy Garoppolo is very limited. He's already reached his ceiling. Like, try to convince me Jimmy Garoppolo is better than Baker Mayfield long term. Who, who has more potential to be your quarterback five years from now? Baker Mayfield. There's actually a shot Baker could be fantastic in Indy. Matt Ryan's old. Jimmy G's limited. The draft isn't great. And Baker, in my opinion, has not reached his full potential yet. And if I'm the Colts, man, I would be desperate to get Baker and not allow Seattle or whoever else is out there that might make a trade for Baker Mayfield. They're like, man, we cannot let anyone else get this guy. We got to lock him down. He's coming off a rough year. Sure, he was hurt last year a ton. And I thought even in spite of the injuries, he didn't play that great. Like, that's sure. I mean, Baker had a bad year. Absolutely. But there's still a lot to be excited about with Baker Mayfield. And there's a future there and a lot of potential for that future. By far, by far, Baker Mayfield is the best option for the Colts at quarterback, and they need to make this trade happen. Keep your eyes peeled. I would not be shocked if literally like a couple hours after this episode came out, bam, we find out Baker Mayfield traded to blah, blah, blah. I think a trade's imminent, but it better be to the Colts. If the Colts do not make it happen and can't get Baker Mayfield, I I have no idea what they could possibly be doing. I, I can't fathom what their plan is if it's not Baker Mayfield. And if they miss out on Baker, oh boy, uh, they're in big, big trouble in Indy. Okay, uh, let's shift gears. A couple more topics today. Let me, let's talk about the Buffalo Bills now. The Buffalo Bills have signed veteran pass rusher Von Miller to a massive six-year, $120 million contract. Von Miller is 32 years old. He's going to be 33, I, I believe, March 26th in just a couple days It's very unlikely he's going to reach the end of this contract. He will be 39 years old by the end of this contract. I'm like, ah, we'll see if he's still playing at 39 years old at a very violent, very physically demanding position defensive end. Now, even though it's kind of an unlikely thought that he's going to play to the end of it, I still think it's a fantastic move for Buffalo. Buffalo views Von Miller as the final piece of the puzzle to help them get to a Super Bowl and win a Super Bowl. And I totally agree with them. Not only is, I mean, so pass rush is the biggest problem in Buffalo. And not only does he help get pressure on opposing quarterbacks, uh, but as my buddy Marcus Whitman, the franchise guy, pointed out, he's also a big locker room leader. And he is viewed as a guy who can mentor younger players at that defensive end position. The Bills have a ton of young defensive ends, guys like, Greg Rousseau, who was a first-round pick in 2021. Uh, Boogie Basham and AJ Epinesa were back-to-back second-round picks in 2020 and 2021. Uh, So the belief in Buffalo is that Von Miller can help them solve the biggest weakness left on their football team, a really good football team, I might add. They got to get after the quarterback, and Von Miller can do that himself by playing well and getting sacks himself, but also the way Von Miller can influence the other people at that position on the Bills roster is viewed as, man, this guy is a leader who can teach our young guys and him off the edge is going to make it easier for Boogie Basham and Greg Rousseau. And I am very excited to see how this works out. The Bills are a team that is so close to a Super Bowl, And a move like this, I think, does in fact put them that small amount closer to winning a Super Bowl and getting their ultimate goal. So I'm, I'm excited for Buffalo. Uh, They also signed tight end O.J. Howard. They gave O.J. Howard a one-year deal worth around $3 million. 
He was a first-round pick in 2017. He never really lived up to expectations in Tampa. And I'm excited to see if he can maximize his potential by playing with Josh Allen in Buffalo. Having a great quarterback, an elite quarterback at that position, uh, you know, he was overshadowed. I, I was excited to see him in Tampa with Tom Brady. Then they added Gronk, and O.J. Howard never really did much. So can O.J. Howard live up to his potential in Buffalo? I would love to see that. Him, Dalton Knox. Um, I go back to him, and the Bills are right near the top of the AFC. They're very close to a Super Bowl. And we could see Von Miller play his former team, the Denver Broncos, in a potential AFC title game, which would be really, really fun. Um, now, you have to acknowledge this. Buffalo is so far ahead of the New England Patriots right now. And I've got a ton of respect for Bill Belichick, the head coach of the Patriots. He's won seven Super Bowls in New England. He appears to be losing his touch a little bit. And as the game has been changing, as young coaches are coming into the league and coaches like Sean McVay, Mike McDaniel, Brandon Staley, uh, Zach Taylor, Shanahan, like these new era of coaches in the NFL are very, very pro player. And Bill Belichick is historically not so pro player. He's falling behind a little bit. He's trying. You see him making small adjustments, but, um, you know, he, he became the Patriots head coach Oh, like over 20 years ago, things are a bit different now than they were back then. And as a coach and also as a GM, as a general manager, he's getting his butt kicked. Again, Marcus pointed out to me the other day that general managers, general managers have been getting really, really creative with the salary cap and finding ways to um, manipulate money and just, you know have void years and do all kinds of stuff to get their team as much value as possible while staying under the salary cap. And Bill Belichick hasn't changed his approach at all as a general manager. And I think Buffalo is about to likely dominate New England, which is disappointing and not great. And uh, Bill and the Patriots are slowly slipping farther and farther behind teams like Buffalo, teams like Kansas City, teams like the L.A. Chargers. And uh, I, I respect Bill, but it's sad to see a team like the Patriots, um, I think, on their way to get their butt kicked by the Bills. And I'm sure Buffalo Bills fans hear that and they're like, hallelujah, we are so excited to beat the living daylights out of Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots. And uh, I think it's what we're headed for this year in that division, the AFC East. Okay, the Rams have signed receiver Allen Robinson to a three-year, $46.5 million deal. That is $30.7 million fully guaranteed for him. Uh, I'm happy for the guy. Allen Robinson gets to live in L.A. He's making good money. He's got a great quarterback, Matthew Stafford. Thank goodness, finally, for the first time in a long time for him. And uh, the Rams' receiver room currently today is Cooper Cup, Allen Robinson, uh, and Robert Woods, to name their top couple guys. Uh, I'm curious what Odell Beckham Jr. does. I don't see him staying, but it would be interesting if they could keep him in L.A. Um, so I, just keep your eye on that. I don't know what their defensive plan is. I feel like the Rams are <laughs> going to be a team that just their offense is their defense. They're going to have to score like 50 points a game in order to beat other people. But, uh, I mean, they've been losing people left and right on the defensive side of the football. But regardless, it's an interesting move. I'm happy for Allen Robinson and uh, – by the way, Allen Robinson is 28 years old, he'll be 29 in August, and uh, I'm excited to watch him in Sean McVay's offense playing with Matthew Stafford. Kansas City has signed wide receiver Juju Smith-Schuster, really more of a slot receiver, 
uh, to a one-year $10.75 million deal. I'm excited for Juju to show me and the rest of the world what he can do when he's got a quarterback like Patrick Mahomes playing alongside, by the way, Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey, who I would believe are going to open up more opportunities for him. And uh, I'm really excited to see how Andy Reid can use Juju in their offense. Now, Juju's 25 years old. There's a lot of promise ahead for him. He's a young player with a lot of potential. And I think that, look, he's on a one-year prove-it deal. But, man, I, I really i am hopeful that he can be a huge addition in Kansas City. And it could be kind of a sleeper move that people aren't paying a lot of attention to. Hey, Juju, finally with a great quarterback and a different offense, could be a home run. Now, the Tennessee Titans have cut receiver Julio Jones. Last offseason, they traded a second-round pick to get Julio. And in his one and only season in Tennessee, he played 10 games. He caught only 31 passes for 434 yards, one touchdown. He was a big disappointment. He got added. There was a lot of expectations there, and then nothing really happened. And cutting him will save Tennessee $9.5 million on June 2nd. He's a post-June 1st designation with that release. Uh, Look, you can't pay a guy over $20 million a year and have really low production. Julio Jones is 33 years old. Clearly, I think his best days are behind him. It's unfortunate because I I really love Julio. I've respected him for so long. He worked so hard, and I thought for a brief stretch was the best receiver in the entire NFL. And uh, I'm very curious where he's going to play next because I would imagine he's going to go to a Super Bowl contender, a team like Kansas City or Buffalo or something like that. I think one dark horse option for Julio would be Green Bay. I'd love to see the Packers, who have a very strong need at receiver, What could the Green Bay Packers do with Julio Jones? Give him a smaller contract. Him playing with Aaron Rodgers would be really, really interesting. Uh, Keep your eye on that. But Julio Jones has fallen a long way from grace. And uh, I'm sad to see a guy who I have admired for so long uh, really not play very well last year and kind of um, be a big disappointment. Now, the final topic of the day, in March Madness, round one of the NCAA basketball tournament, St. Peter's, a team I have never even heard of, beat Kentucky 85-79. to Kentucky was the number two team in their bracket. St. Peter's was number 15, if you do the math. You know, 16 plays one, 15 plays two. St. Peter's is a tiny college with enrollment, just over 3,000 students, and zero five-star recruits. So Kentucky basketball, a massive juggernaut with a huge basketball budget, a big enrollment, and a very passionate fan base behind them, for Kentucky basketball to lose to St. Peter's is, it's unbelievable. I, I, I just, it's a shocking upset in college basketball. By the way, I believe I was born in St. Peter's Hospital in Olympia, Washington, which I would imagine has no affiliation to the school, but kind of a weird, interesting side note. Um, by the way, on Sunday, there's a really good game. If you want to watch a great college basketball game, round two of the NCAA tournament, Mar- uh, March, <laughs> Michigan State and their head coach, Tom Izzo, are going to play against... Duke and Coach K. I highly recommend watching that. On Sunday, you got Formula One. You got that game. Going to be a really fun, interesting weekend. And I will not do another episode of the show until Sunday night, Monday morning, because um, my mom's in town. I'm going to hang out with her. Guys, that's all I have. I love you. I appreciate you. I hope you have a fantastic day. And uh, ba-dum-bum, bam, we are done.